Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Houston. We have a podcast. Uh, Merry Christmas uh, and happy holidays to uh, anyone listening. Um, today, uh, we're going to switch things up a little bit. I am your co-host, now host, Paulo. Uh, and as always, I'm joined by your regular host, Carson. Howdy. Uh, <laughs> howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> um, and two new guests, Bernice and Martin. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. Um, Thank you. <laughs> thanks for joining us. Um, before we get into uh, the meat of uh, of our of the action today, uh, I just want to introduce get you guys to introduce yourselves. So, uh, Bernice, let's start with you. Uh, why don't you give us a uh, a movie and a movie character that uh, represents you? Okay, um, I'll start with a movie character because I think that's easier. Um, in terms of movie character that would best describe me, it would be a mix of like two characters. I'd say first is Joe from Joe Marsh from Little Women, um, mostly because of really like we share a lot of the same values on like women's roles, and she's a little bit awkward and despises prim and proper like formal society, but she's also very ambitious and uh, good a good level of rebelliousness and a mix of Rosie, which is the mom of Jojo Rabbit. Uh, she's very sarcastic, uh, goofy, which is also me, but she has uh, definite strong values and deeply caring, actually, if you get to know her uh, more. Uh, in terms of movies, something that probably just sticks out because I've seen it a lot more recently is uh, The Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Nothing at all because there's two girls here that are in love. But it's just, it has a lot, it has a Wait, lot of elements. <laughs> What is this of... one called for uh, for later? <laughs> for research purposes. <laughs> Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I just really enjoyed that movie. It has a lot of elements that I enjoyed. I can't fully explain it. It's just I like the like the visuals of it, the setting, um, like the music and the way they just portrayed the the story. So if you want to learn more, just watch Portrait of a Lady on Fire. <laughs> okay. And going back to um uh what's Joe? from mm-hmm. Little Women. That's the, the Sarah Chironin character, right? Yes, yes. Okay, cool. When, when I don't we were, remember their names. When we were talking about this in advance, uh, when you said Joe from Little Women, I thought you meant Timothy Chalamet's character, because I forgot that <laughs> Sarah Chironin's <laughs> character was... And then you said that and the mom from Jojo Rabbit. I was like, those are very different characters. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Joe Marsh. Okay, cool. Um, those are good choices. Um, Martin, how about you? I was having a little bit of trouble finding um, a character that really represented me, um, even going through a, you know, a whole bunch of lists of movies that I've liked. Um, and I know for, for sure at some point in my life, I thought, yeah, this character, like, I feel like, like I, I feel them and I, I feel it represents me, but I couldn't really find that person like at the moment. So um, I guess a character that I would pick right now is maybe um, Rufio um, from the really old uh, Peter Pan movie, uh, Hook. Um, Rufio, as as um, I guess most people might know, was um, the leader of the uh, the Lost Boys, um, a gang of like uh, um, some of them were children, some of them were adults that didn't want to grow up. Um, and he was uh, he was actually one of the first um, I think like Filipino um, actors that were in a big movie, which is really cool to see because it's like 
seeing representation, seeing seeing someone that looked like you um, on uh, on a big screen. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and just his character of like just just being a a a, a man child, like a, a a grown person who just doesn't want to grow up. Really, really nostalgia about. Um, his childhood, um, and just wants to go on adventures a little bit, um, a little bit of a misfit, doesn't really fit in society like all the time. So I felt like that maybe Rufio, you know, I, I would say is a good, maybe, um, uh, good, good selection, um, for, for my choice at this point. Um, Rufio. Rufio. <laughs> damn, damn hook. Um, <laughs> So um, in terms of movie, once again, I, I was having a hard time finding like a movie that really represented me. So I'm just going to say sort of my my uh, favorite film. I actually don't know why it's my favorite film, but for some reason, whenever I think of like a movie that I really enjoy that I thought was really well done, it always goes back to Fight Club by uh, by David Fincher. And David Fincher is like one of my um, uh, favorite like um, directors. He does really good stuff. And I, the reason why I like that movie was, I mean, it was one of the... I guess the, the the first movies that really like caught my attention in terms of um, like really good storytelling, really good cinematography, um, and just the like the the whole like 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 can I swear? Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> on this pod, um, we've, okay, we've yeah. had much worse said than a swear word <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> um, and the, the like the the mind fuck at the end, like the the great like <laughs> twist on on the the storytelling. I mean, Edward Norton, brilliant. Um, Brad Pitt sexy as hell like like i always <laughs> joke around like i want to look like brad pitt in in uh in fight club um it's just overall a really good movie so um i would say that maybe as a, my movie selection cool you know what um to this day and this i'm ashamed to say i have not seen fight club from beginning to end i've seen all of really? it like out of order <laughs> <laughs> just probably place. like clips and stuff yeah but uh i pretty much know everything about the movie i just haven't seen it from beginning to end but um <laughs> what's, her, what's her name the the main girl the um the really good actress what's her name uh Helena bonham carter yeah 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 oh my god she was fantastic in that <laughs> really. i thought you were gonna be like she was fine <laughs> i don't know about fine but she, was, she, was good. she did well all right um, so, uh, getting right into it, um, today, uh, we have our experts, Martin and Bernice joining us to, uh, <laughs> to talk about, uh, Wes Anderson and, um, not only like his movies and his characters, but, uh, really what's more importantly, uh, which of his characters would be, <laughs> would make up the best team to, uh, to in, in certain outlandish scenarios that I've created. So, you know they're ridiculous. Um, but, I, I mean, before we get into that, I know a lot of people, I mean, maybe not a lot of people, maybe a lot of people listening might not know who uh, Wes Anderson is and is about, myself included. Um, I can safely say that before, the like, two weeks ago, I had not seen a Wes Anderson movie, like, a full Wes Anderson movie. Um, and I still haven't because <laughs> I tend to fall asleep, which is not a knock on Wes, <laughs> was not a knock on Wes Anderson. Um, I'm, I know he is a good director. He makes good stuff, but I don't know why I just always fall asleep. So naturally I'm the perfect moderator <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> um, but, um, to give everyone a bit of background, um, guys and girl, 
can you can you explain to me like who and what and where and why is Wes Anderson? <laughs> what like why is he why is he a big deal? Who is he? Who is he to you? Give me like give me something. So I'll, Take it I'll away, talk Martin. about. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll go first and then maybe Martin. <laughs> no, okay. But yes, please. <laughs> so I when I I was always like a big fan of movies growing up, but it was more like I was a big fan of like the Star Wars or the Mummy or stuff like this. And I feel like when I started to really get into cinema, it was that time when probably a lot of people get into like the other forms of cinema. And it's when I was in high school. It's when like you're starting to you know be introduced to ideas for the first time of your life and then you start you know being introduced to artsy cinema and wes anderson is kind of that main one that i think a lot of people go to as like he's kind of the king of art house and artsy cinema that has idea and style and i definitely got caught up in that as well and i still appreciate a lot of his movies not just for the style but because there's also a lot of like really good themes behind it as they relate to especially family um that i think are still meaningful but uh, I, I would say he's one of those mainstream, non-mainstream people where uh, he's kind of the, one of the first person you think to think of when you think of like that artsy style. And I, I think he's almost gone too mainstream now where it's like his new stuff coming out. It's like, oh, now he's just like the style for the sake of style and he's like too popular. Um, and I kind of liked him more when it was, you know, he was off doing his own thing and like reinventing his style for the first time. Um, and I don't know whether that's just because I'm, used to the style and i'm no longer it doesn't have like a novelty factor um but in rewatching a lot of his movies for this podcast like they still hold up they're still really really good movies but i'm not as excited for the french dispatch which is what his newest one coming out next year is so i don't know i don't know how to feel about wes anderson now because he he is very good but he's also very mainstream and very repetitive um so yeah that that's my basic opinion of him how did you like isle of dogs um, it's, it's weird because when we were thinking of this episode and like characters, like I almost feel like the two animated Wes Anderson movies don't really count. Like, it's like, they're, <laughs> they're different. It's, it's a different thing. And like, Isle of Dogs was still good, but it's not, I don't know. It's like, it's like someone else doing a version of Wes Anderson in my mind. Interesting. What about you guys? You can go, Bernice. No, you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. So, so I mean, uh, it's sort of similar to like um, Carson's story, like my introduction to Wes Anderson, but mine was like much, much later um, in like in my life because um, yeah, growing up, I wasn't I wasn't really into movies like um, like or my appreciation for movies isn't the same as it was like like 15 years ago as a as it is today, like growing up, it was more about like appreciating or going to watch movies in the cinema for like blockbuster hits. Like it was that kind of thing. It was just like enjoying like big films um, uh, with family, with friends and just talking about it at school. But it wasn't like like going into the depths of um, appreciating um, like the storytelling, the dialogue, the character development, et cetera, et cetera. Sorry, my my um, like I'm 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 potting from the basement. So sometimes you'll hear the pipes. <laughs> Um, in <laughs> my uh, thing, so hopefully it doesn't ruin the pod. The, the reality but, um, of COVID. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, so, so actually, my introduction to Wes was probably uh, Moonrise Kingdom in like 2012. Um, I, 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 I think, I think I heard of F Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think back in 09, but I had no interest in watching it. But 
Um, for whatever reason, I watched Moonrise Kingdom in 2012, and I um, I think at that point I I like I, I really enjoyed it. So I started looking up. Okay, um, you know, like who directed this? Like the 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 cinematography and like the the film style. It was just very very distinct and nothing like nothing that I I'd ever seen before. Like really quirky, really witty. The use of colors, the, the really specific um, like um, like camera angles. Um, that kind of thing. It was just things that I noticed. So I started looking up a little bit more and I figured out, okay, so, you know, there's this guy named Wes Anderson. Um, and I started looking through sort of his history. Um, and then that's, I guess, how I sort of came to to understand, like, oh, who this American director is. And I went and did a little bit of research called torrenting. Um, his, like, <laughs> his films growing up. Um, and then um, I think that, I think... I think I, I didn't go too far back in his in his like uh, portfolio at that point. I think I think I, I just watched Royal Tenenbaums because it was the next acclaimed um, hit after um, or before uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and I really enjoyed that. So I thought, okay, this is something to keep my out eye out for. And then in 2014, when he released um, Grand Budapest, where personally I think he really really came into his like style, like like quintessential Wes Anderson is, in my opinion, um, the Grand Budapest. Um, after that, I was like, I was really blown away by um like sort of his direction and as his creative vision for um for the movie and the the university built and then i started going and then because of that i started looking farther and farther back of um okay what other movies has he made i watched fantastic mr fox um i watched isle of dogs in 2018 etc cetera, etc cetera. so um at this point i just i i still enjoy his work um i could see why why carson would say like it is getting repetitive but um in in my opinion, I think that's what makes him him. He he does have a very distinctive, very unique style, and I'm I'm really interested to see how he plans on sort of pushing his um his creativity or his experimental like like vision um for his for his next film because yeah I know he does have a style and I was wondering if he can like update it, which is, would be an interesting I, question. I agree with a lot of what you have to say, but I disagree with one piece, and that it's to say Grand Budapest Hotel is his quintessential movie, like. For me, the thing that makes him a great director is like, yes, he has a style. Everyone knows his style, but it's mashing that together with really grounded, really real family dramas. And okay. for me, Grand Budapest Hotel is when it came to say like, okay, I'm not caring about that family part anymore. And I'm just making style. Yeah. Um, because like for me, his best work is his earlier work, which was when he was collaborating with Owen Wilson, writing a lot of the scripts. Mm -hmm. uh, Noah Baumbach was helping write some of the scripts as well. And Noah Baumbach does a lot of other family dramas. And it's like, it's like he needs someone to do a really good grounded script for him. And then he'll dress mm -hmm. it up and he'll direct it. He'll make the characters like really sympathetic and like he'll add all yeah, of the yeah. stuff on top of it. But it's like, for me, the best part of Wes Anderson was when Owen Wilson was doing the writing for him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I actually, though, the, I like to consider Grand Boot, like I, I get the whole like family drama, dysfunctional family relationships that, that completely makes sense for like pretty much like 75% of his um, filmography. However, for me, like the thing, the thing that really impressed me about Wes Anderson was not always like specifically the, um, the, the characters, but it was actually the, the aesthetic. The aesthetic is what actually really drew me initially to Wes Anderson because there's a lot of films that do really good storytelling, really good dialogue, really good character development. But the the artistic style of Wes Anderson was uh, for me at that at that time it was very very unique. And I think Grand Budapest is where he really solidified like like his like um, yeah his distinctive style with like centering flat like um, flat camera angles, um, you know the use of the use of muted colors and pastels, 
um, really saturated, brighted, um, uh, bright environments, um, that kind of thing. So I think he he did that really, really, really well in Grand Budapest. Um, and that's probably why I say in terms of um, art direction, maybe not maybe not storytelling, but art direction, I would say for me, Grand Budapest is it. I will agree with that then, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I think I, I think we have uh, <laughs> a good intro um, to, to Wes Anderson. Um, and it helps for me as well. I kind of just used you guys to uh, <laughs> to explain him because I would not have been able to. Um, and it, it's funny because what uh, which one was it? The Grand Budapest Hotel. I remember. I think that was the last one that I tried to watch. Oh no, sorry. It was Isle of Dogs that I that I tried to watch. And I mean, like I was like Martin. You, you said I was drawn in by like the style of it because I think that was the first one that I the first one that I tried like ever and I was drawn in by the style like it just looked interesting and then I don't, I don't know like I just couldn't keep up with it like not not that like I didn't get it as just I don't know if it was like the pace was too slow or like I'm just used to big dumb movies <laughs> and I that's just what I enjoy it's just probably a taste thing but like I don't know to the, again I, I haven't been able to get through all of them but um hopefully uh the the movies that you guys create later in the podcast will <laughs> will 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 pique my interest um and with that let's go into the draft so uh what we're going to do is we're going to draft uh uh wes anderson characters from uh from his movies to make a a super team of sorts um, that uh, has to be flexible enough to handle uh, a variety of situations that I've created, um, and they are uh, beholden to certain categories that we've established. Uh, those being, uh, we need a, a Bill Murray character, um, an Owen Wilson, or sorry, not an Owen Wilson, a Wilson brother, uh, because there are apparently three that I've just learned from Carson like a week ago. <laughs> Um, uh, we need a matriarch or a mother, motherly type character, uh, a minor or a child, um, a Schwartzman character, so someone that's been played by Jason Schwartzman, and a wild card. So that can be anyone uh, that does not fall into the five previous categories. Um, and uh, we're gonna make some movie magic with these with these people. Uh, so to determine our draft order. I've created a game uh, for you guys, um, and it's very simple. You each will have 10 seconds, uh, and I will give you an actor who uh, regularly appears in Wes Anderson's universe. Um, and you have to give me as many movies as you can name that they've appeared okay. in. All right? Okay. Uh, and you also have to show me your hands on camera so I know you're not Googling. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can see screens flashing already. <laughs> So, um, first one, um, I'm going to go with, hold on, let me get it. Actually, no, I'll just time it myself. Um, I, uh, Karsten, you go first. Um, your actor is Owen Wilson. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Uh, so Darjeeling Limited, Bottle Rocket, uh, Royal Tenenbaums, 
Uh, wait, sorry, you, wait, 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 hold on. Sorry, what? I forgot to mention they can't be they can't be Wes Anderson movies. <laughs> what? My fault. My fault. Yeah, they can't be Wes Anderson movies. That yeah, was the whole purpose of the game, and I left that part that rule out. I'm, I apologize. That is my fault. I should be fired. Um, All right, I'm I'm gonna lose this game. <laughs> I need to. I suck at titles. It's okay. Too. Okay, ready, uh, Carson? You're gonna do it again. I'm gonna use a real timer now because it's too hard to keep track and keep time at the same time. Ready, set, go. Uh, Zoolander. Um. Oh God, I'm freezing up on Owen Wilson. Time. This should be the easiest <laughs> one. Time. I mean, you could have said Zoolander too. Oh. <laughs> Wait, was he in Wedding Crashers? Was he in? Yes, that? he was. Yeah, he yeah. was. Okay, that's like the only movie I'm. I'm like bringing. Him. I, I purposely I assigned you these characters to make it even because I feel like. Owen Wilson was the most mainstream movie ca- uh, guy, uh, and I thought that would be a, a bit of a challenge for Carson. <laughs> um, Bernice, you are up next. Your actor is Ben Stiller. Ready? Uh, I'm sorry. Hey, show me your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Ready, set, go. Zoolander. Yes, I have one. <laughs> uh, uh, Life of Walter Mitty. Ben Stiller, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> too. Uh, Martin. All right, zero. You Let's go. Are... <laughs> it's okay. Um, this this game is the great equalizer right now. Uh, Martin, your actor is Bill Murray. Ready, set, go. I'm freezing up. Uh, uh Groundhog Day. Um, fucking. Time. Boston <laughs> translation. Oh, sh- <laughs> that's right. I, the, oh, I know. It, it, like, if you have time, it's not hard to think of it. But when you're on the spot, yeah, yeah, uh, I am so bad at on the spot. Like, yeah. oh, give me an answer now. I'm just like, I'll, I'll freeze up. <laughs> yeah, and that is what I am. <laughs> that was the point of the game. So sorry, guys. But Bernice won. Uh, you get to draft first. Um, I'm going to need a, a tiebreaker from Carson and Martin because you both got one point each. Um, so uh, the first one to name uh, a movie that... Uh, or the first one to name a movie that Jason Schwartzman has been in. Go. Sorry, it's freezing up for me. Yeah, right. <laughs> Non, uh, non, uh, Wes Anderson. Uh, there's movie the movie where he Anderson. paints buttholes, and I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> How about a TV series? <laughs> I was gonna ask. No, no. Uh, I know. There's no time limit on this. I should really know this. This really annoys yeah. me that I can't get this. <laughs> Uh, I will open up, open it up to Google in ten seconds. <laughs> this is hard, actually. I know. Okay, let's see, let's see who can research it the fastest. You may Google now. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I, I don't like have time to Google, so I'm going to call it like the overnight. I don't remember what the name of the movie is, but. If it's the overnight or the overnighters, I'm going with that. Let's see, because I've never heard of that before. Oh fuck, he was in this. 
Oh, okay, Carson got it. Or was it? <laughs> it's called a what? Overnighters? Uh, the Overnight. Oh, the Overnight, yeah. Yeah, 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 I see. I've never heard of that movie before. Yeah. I was actually looking for Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh, That's what I was about to say. <laughs> what the heck? Um, okay, so Bernice is drafting first, Carson is drafting second, Martin is third, and then Martin, you will pick twice in a row because you're last. And then it's okay. a snake draft. Got it? Oh, no. So Bernice, Carson, Martin, Martin, Carson, Bernice, Bernice. <laughs> okay. Um, so the first, ca- actually, no, sorry, it can be any category. So you can go uh, whichever way you want, whoever you want to draft first. Bernice, uh, it's on you. Any category? Any category, you get to draft the first character. Okay, I'm going to draft the first minor slash child. I'm going to draft Christopherson from Fantastic Mr. Fox because I feel as a kid, he's multi-talented and can literally do anything. So my goal is to build a well-rounded team. <laughs> good good strategy. Um, who, can you give me, like, who who is he? Like, who... Oh, like a background, uh, just a bit of background. Sorry, Christopherson is basically the main family's. Well, yeah, the main family's uh, like a cousin of. How do you say? It? It's like a nephew of Mr. Fox. Um, okay. I believe the was it the dad? It's he was in the hospital for for something, so they had to basically take him in for a while. Um, overall, in the movie, he outshines the the son in everything, um, to the point that Mr. Fox. Uh, involved Christopherson a lot more in strategy and planning and stealing uh, whatever was in their uh, in their plan instead of his son because he was just better. <laughs> Who voices him? <laughs> okay. What was that, Carson? Who voices him? I'm not uh, sure. It was. Um, it was. Uh, I have this. Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Eric it's, Chase. Uh, oh, Eric Anderson. Who's definitely not a minor. <laughs> I'm just looking at a picture of him. That's fine. I'm um, not questioning the eligibility. I'm just trying no, to I clarify. Know. That's, <laughs> that's fine. Um, Carson, you're up next. Uh, so I'm going for some of the weaker categories here. Uh, I'm not going to pick Herman Bloom from the Bill Murray category. Um, and while I love a lot of the Bill Murray characters, they are very flawed. So I'm trying to pick one that I think has some good resources available to him. Uh, he's worth $10 million. So that's part of why, uh, yeah, Herman Bloom is my Bill Murray character. Interesting. Okay, Martin. Um, okay, so I'm also going to choose a, the, the Bill, Murray cate- Bill Murray category. Um, and I'm going to go with uh, um, from Grand Budapest, uh, Monsieur Ivan. He's one of the um, basically he's one of the um, there's like a secret society of concierges, and it seems that a lot of these concierges have um, access to like exclusive like resources, like things that you normally wouldn't be able to get. So I think that might be useful. Um, in some of these scenarios, someone who's like a matchmaker, someone who can get get things get things done, no matter what the scenario is, um, he's part of a society of like people who are very very connected. So I'm gonna go with um, with him, uh, okay, the concierge cool. Ivan from Grand Budapest. Hey, don't don't put all your cards on the table yet, guys. <laughs> I, I was hoping no one else would clue in on the society of crossed keys, but I guess that's out there. So, um, okay, uh, Martin, you're up again. You get two in a row. 
Okay, so the second one I'm probably going to take is because I'm really struggling to find people in this category at this point is for the minor slash child category. So I'm going to go with um, Sam from Moonrise Kingdom because uh, he seems to be like really smart kid. He's a scout, boy scout, so he's like he has his head on his shoulders. He knows how to you know navigate and survive and stuff like that. So um, I'll I'll, uh, I'll go with him. Okay, uh, Carson, back to you. So I'm going to, it's a deep category, but I, this is my favorite character that I think for, that fits this one. I'm going with Dignan from Bottle Rocket, uh, played by Owen Wilson. So that is my Wilson brother. Um, he is crafty and good at planning, and I think that could come in useful in the scenarios ahead. Uh, Bernice? Okay, um, for, for my wild card, similar to Martin's reasoning, I'm actually going to go with Captain Hennessy from Life Aquatic, uh, simply because I feel like he has access to a lot of resources. He has a lot of money and can open up a lot of doors for whatever scenario later. Uh, and your next pick? Oh. Um, you get two in a row. Sh Schwartzman character, I will get Cousin Ben from Moonrise Kingdom. This was honestly a hard uh, category for me. I just feel Cousin Ben probably has a lot of tricks up his sleeves. He has, he knows a lot of children that maybe I can leverage later. He knows <laughs> a lot of... Wait, what? That's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, I don't know if I need a crowd. He's, a, <laughs> he's like the, the, the Grand Maester from, uh, from Game of Thrones. So that, <laughs> he knows a lot of the boys. The gang the of homeless kids that like murders people for him. <laughs> Um, uh, is it, or, uh, Carson, you're next. Uh, so in the matriarch category, I'm going to go with Eleanor Zizou. Um, yeah. she also has a lot of financial resources and there's not a lot of other great characters in that category. Um, so yeah, I'm going with her. Wait, I have a, I have a question about, because, um, she was also in my list, but technically she's not a mother. She has no children. So are we still counting her as a matriarch? She doesn't possess any descendants. So... I, I classified that ca the category, or I interpreted the category as matriarch or motherly. So not oh, like mother doesn't necessarily okay. have to have children. Okay. But, okay. Um, like just that kind of role. Yeah, because I remember in the movie, uh, what they say, like, oh, like when she was uh, telling a a secret to um to the girl about uh, Bill Murray's character. That he shoots blanks. Something like. Yeah, he shoots blanks. <laughs> that, was, that, was a, that was a good scene. That was a good scene. That's actually like, I, I assume that the definition of matriarch is just like someone who is powerful but is also female, but I maybe I needed to check that out. Cool. Cool. Works for me. Oh, I, I bought into the gender stereotype. I apologize. <laughs> um, uh, Martin is your turn. Okay. Um, you can see my screen, right? Yep. No, sorry. Um, uh, follow my Captain Hennessy is my wild card. Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh yeah, I put that in the wrong. Whoa. Okay. Um, I'm Draft going. Draft is thirty seconds, by the way. <laughs> sorry. I, I, I should enforce that. I should have said that, but I will enforce it uh, starting now. Okay, um, I'm gonna go with my wild card category, and I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with Dimitri 
from Grand Budapest. Um, once again, he's sort of like a, he's he's sort of a troublemaker, but like like he he can like other characters. He 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 knows what he wants. He's really really aggressive about about getting it, even if he has to use force and a little bit of violence. Plus, he has access to money, so I think he's another character that might be useful in, in a scenario. And your next one? Uh, and then I will go with a Jason Schwartzman character. Um, and let's go with let's go with um, Max Fisher from Rushmore. Um, I think he might be good in like two of those scenarios <laughs> specifically because he's, he's, he's good with uh, like uh, with like students and stuff. So let's uh, let's go with him. It may be my lack of understanding and knowledge of. Uh, oh, sorry. Wes Anderson characters, but I, I thought he would be off the board sooner. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Carson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm also going in the Schwartzman category. I'm going with uh, Monsieur Jean. Uh, from Grand Budapest Hotel. He is also a member of the Society of Crossed Keys. Um, and yeah, that was a tough one. Max Fisher, he's like a popular character, but he's also a very flawed character. So I don't know if I feel like For if sure. I won that one or not. <laughs> Already taking shots. <laughs> um, uh, Bernice, your last two, sorry, no, two characters. Um, for Bill Murray, I'm going to pick Rally St. Clair from Royal Tenenbaum. Figured I need someone academic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and you're next? Uh, Wilson Brother, I'll get Ellie Cash from Royal Tenenbaum as well. He's some sort of, he has a celebrity status, could be useful for something later. But he's also smart in writing. Okay. Carson? Uh, oh, man. This is... Okay, so for my child character... I'm going to go with Dirk Calloway from Rushmore. Dirk? For reasons oh, unknown. Yeah. I'm leaving myself helpful notes of which movies these people are in, because some of them I don't know. Um, Martin, <laughs> your last two picks. Two picks, okay. Um, okay, so for my Wilson brother character, I'm going to go with um, Anthony Adams from Bottle Rocket, um, because he seems to be like a talented, a, a talented, like uh, a talented criminal. Um, uh, uh, he's the most talented out of the the three like heist men in, in that movie. So I'll go with him. He was Luke Wilson, played by Luke Wilson. And then for Mother, um, I am going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Madame D from Grand Budapest mainly because she's extremely wealthy and I'm sure she could get me whatever I need when the time comes. All right, Carson, your last pick. Oh, I should have been thinking about this instead of listening to other people. Um, so I'm, <laughs> I have to pick wild the card. wild card character and I'm going to go with Pagoda from the Royal Tenenbaums, <laughs> uh, driver and international assassin. Yes. He got stabbed in the back? Who did it? <laughs> Uh, Bernice, your last pick. Go Who else is there? <laughs> um, sorry. I'll go with, um, I forgot her name. The mom in Moonrise Kingdom. Sorry, well, Susan, Bishop. Susan, Susan Bishop. Is it Susan? Susan Bishop, I think. 
Yeah. Just for the simple fact she's a lawyer, that could be useful later. <laughs> I really <laughs> wanted um, Eleanor. Forgot she was. All right, and time with with two seconds to spare, you got your team in. Uh, so uh, the teams are looking pretty pretty good, pretty even. Um, all right, so uh, how do you guys feel about your teams? So I was kind of surprised how the draft went, and I feel like I made a lot of like bad decisions because I think the theme of this podcast is like freezing up when you need to make a decision. Um, <laughs> but I'm just looking at the draft board and like Steve Zizou, Ned Plimpton, Ethelene Tenenbaum, like none of those went. Like I thought there was only mm-hmm. two good picks in the matriarch category, Eleanor Zizou and Ethelene Tenenbaum, and one of those didn't even go. So I was kind of surprised by that. Also, I'm mad that I didn't pick Klaus because uh, I really meant to, but yeah. Yeah, he yeah, no, he was good. Yeah, no, Ethelene, Ethelene was, and Steve actually was my second choice if I didn't get my first choice. But for at the last minute, I switched to Susan just because I my my um my justification for Ethelene kind of was duplicated by somebody else, yeah, which yeah, was exactly. so I had to make my my team a lot more diverse. Um, but yeah, if, honestly, if I didn't see the scenarios at all, this would probably look like a completely different team. But then because I have some sort of an idea for at least some of the scenarios, I wanted to get specific skills. <laughs> and yeah, but for overall, sure. okay. Except for, except for, um, what's Eleanor Zizou for me. I got everybody else. Uh, yeah, uh, actually I got none of my first picks. Um, <laughs> except for no, except for the Bill Murray character, because that was the one that I got to pick first. So he's the only one where I actually got my first pick. But um, I mean, like you could like because the scenarios are so different, you could make some justifications about why certain characters weren't picked. Because yeah, as Bernie said, some of some of the things that they could do could be re- potentially replicated by other characters. Like like um, I mean, like for people with money that could give you access to resources, there's like so many of those in. Um, in uh, Wes Anderson um, films, like there's usually some kind of rich character in, in uh, rich but but like deteriorating character in, in his I movies. I think you got so, three of them. <laughs> I'm telling you, money money solves all problems. This is, <laughs> this is my philosophy. Hey, save save it win. for the save it for the scenarios, guys. It was well, like um, you said, the, the people that were left off. Uh, some of them are particularly distressing to me because. A lot of the characters that I actually do know <laughs> were not picked. <laughs> oh, no. So uh, this will be a special challenge for you guys to to convince to convince me of of your team. Um, yeah. So is everyone feeling good? Ready to to take on the scenarios that Let's I've do it. Drafted. It can be. I, <laughs> I hope you're ready to rip each other to shreds <laughs> in true Wes Anderson fashion. <laughs> Um, you, you joke about that, but it's actually a lot closer than you think because they're actually very dysfunctional and they rip each other apart a lot. So maybe not violently, but uh, yeah, (laughs) you are right. But I, I, I'm thinking more violently, even though the scenarios are not like that for the most part. (laughs) Anyways, I digress. Um, so for everyone listening, uh, each person or each team, uh, is going to have uh, two minutes to explain why they are the best for the scenarios, which I'll explain. Uh, and then after that, after everyone has gone, uh, they, there will be a five-minute open battle royale discussion of uh, why everyone else's team sucks and their team's the best. Uh, so to start, 
um, keeping things topical. Uh, the first scenario is that your protagonist owned a restaurant, which has since closed down due to the COVID lockdown, unfortunately. In order to get a new job, he or she and their team must create a made-up university to get a fake degree so that they can practice law, medicine, etc. Some sort of uh, profession that you need higher education for. However, word has spread of this new university um, and people have started applying. So now they must successfully run the university to graduate at least one class of students or go to jail for fraud because movie law. <laughs> um, <laughs> the plot is paper thin, but um, that is the state of cinema today. Just kidding. Um, we are going to go in the same order of the uh, draft. So Bernice, you are first. How will your team take on this scenario? Okay, so my protagonist is, in this scenario, is Cousin Ben. Uh, first and foremost, he has access to a band of kids <laughs> who, can, who can act as, maybe not, some of them might be too young to be in university, but surely some of them could be the, the pretend students that he could literally just order around. And he, he can literally tell them um, what to do. So easy access to that. And even the younger the younger kids, surely they have some brothers and sisters that could be enrolled in this fake university. And then I have Rally St. Clair, who's a writer and a neurologist, who was actually um, at the end of Royal Tenenbaums. He he succeeded in one of his studies. So he's he's a known neurologist and he will be the one leading science, uh, very renowned. Um, I also have Eli Cash who was a literary celebrity. He will be the one teaching English, also very renowned and already setting up a really good reputation for my university. Um, and for, so my university will just focus on science and English. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so in the back end, I have Susan Bishop who will plan the operations and handle all legal problems with parents or any legal problems in the day-to-day. -day. Um, we have Captain Hennessy who will, literally fund everything from the building of the university um getting locations uh whatever whatever financial resources they need it will be funded completely by captain hennessy and then christopherson i will also use as my star student pretend he is literally good at everything good at all the classes so by graduation he will be the exemplar student that i would like to show um the world he's a fox but he was a valedictorian so damn <laughs> stellar university <laughs> the end wow right on time with five seconds to spare um all right who is, uh carson i believe is next so i'm going carson. for the entertainment value of them attempting to do this rather than them being successful at doing it uh my protagonist uh, who lost the restaurant and is starting this up is herman bloom played by bill murray uh in rushmore so he's the one who's kind of running the operation but you also have like eleanor zizu who is partially financing it um but really my brains are the operation to help get a lot of this done. And the guy who's the con artist is Dignan. Um, and I'm just imagining him with like Herman Bloom and Eleanor Zizou, like funding him because his biggest thing is like, he was kind of a first, like a second rate criminal. Um, but in this situation, like he has the opportunity to use his charm and use like his ability as a con artist to like 
kind of bring people into the operation. Um, and then for entertainment value, I'm just imagining Pagoda teaching a class somewhere. And I don't know if it's like <laughs> international relations or something, but just like, uh, I feel like you could cut away to scenes of Pagoda teaching something that he's super unqualified for. Um, but in true Pagoda fashion, he just like, I don't know, for some reason knows how to do everything. Um, and so I feel like those characters would be entertaining together. Oh, do you defer your time? I defer the rest of my time. All right. <laughs> uh, Martin, you're up. Okay. Okay, so for myself, I'm I'm sort of going to target like what the underlying goal is, and that's really just to get a fake degree so that they could find a new job. So um, I, in, in true Wes Anderson fashion, on the surface level, it's going to look like real. It's going to look legitimate, but underneath, everything's going to be destroyed. It's not going to be real. It's going to be everything's disintegrating. It's it's just going to be like what it needs to be to pretend to 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 have what it's at the surface level. So, I'm going to go with my protagonist as uh, Max Fisher because uh, I mean, in the film, in 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 Rushmore, he sort of was like like he embodied really that kind of mentality where. Um, you know, he pretends to be like this this all-star student, but really he's he's just getting by. So what I'm gonna try to do with this team is really just 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 create a fake degree for the sake of creating degree and not actually create a university if the purpose is just to have said degree to 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 get a job. So Max Fisher will sort of be like the 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 ringleader conning everything because he's he's really good with like creating clubs, creating organizations. So we'll so he'll be in charge of creating like sort of a fake company. Um, I'll get Madame D and uh, Monsieur um, Ivan um, as sort of like the the um, the investors. They'll they'll pay for let's say the fraudulent website to pretend it's a university. The fraudulent um, real estate um, like uh, like. Um, uh, like bills, like the the property decrees things, like to to pretend that we have real estate, um, and then I'll use Anthony Adams and Dimitri as sort of like um, bullies or per like perpetrators to sort of go after like any auditors or organizations that are trying to prove that we are fake, but they'll be used to sort of like intimidate them and scare them away, um, and then Sam from Moonrise will, I guess he'll just he'll just tag along with Max Fisher and sort of just like um, um, be his protege and, and help him out with sort of like figuring out how to con every, how to con the whole system just to get that fake degree. All right. Um, I actually started your timer late, so I think you start, you finished right on time. Right. Um, I'm going to give you guys all five minutes to fight and go. Okay, so I'm gonna start. Um, I'm gonna talk about your wild cards, which I feel like are too much of a wild card. Um, and this one, so Alistair Hennessy, I should mention, he is not rich. He is good at getting grant money. And for this scenario, that might be very helpful. But I'm pointing that out for the sake of future arguments that he's not rich. Like he could actually get some grant money for the school. So I granted that might be good for this scenario, maybe not for future ones. Dimitri is a very, very selfish-minded individual. I don't see him willing to help out this team at all. So I'd be very curious to like if Max Fisher told him to go bully somebody. Like Dimitri's not going to listen to Max Fisher, so I'm curious to see how that would work mm. out. Good, good point. Good point. <laughs> so maybe I didn't really talk about like the motivations for each character. Like it's sort of, I mean, technically the scenario put all of these people in it, forced them to be on a team, right? So um, yes, there might be leadership issues. Like no matter which protagonist you choose, there's some, there might be someone 
on the team that refuses to listen to someone just because we're forcing them to be um, in one group and they weren't like, you know, talking with each other and trying to figure out, well, I like you, so let's 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 join forces kind of thing. Um, so so I guess the motivation for uh, Dimitri is, um, you know, he'll be a he'll, he'll be rewarded at the end of the day once uh, once we figure out how to how to get this 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 uh, character our protagonist back to have a degree. Um, maybe it'll lead to some really smart business decisions that will financially benefit Dimitri. And I know he's really driven by money. Like, so uh, I would say that. <laughs> um, I have no comment. I feel like my team was pretty flawless compared to Martin's, especially. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking I have about? To argue. <laughs> I, 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 I was trying to go the route of, you know, who, who, who really needs to create a university when all that matters is the actual paper. Right. Yeah. And so what I'll say about your team, Bernice, is uh, so Cousin Ben, this notion that he just comes with a bunch of children because he's a troop leader. I'd like to challenge that a little bit. Also, like children don't go to university. Um, but that's like saying like Herman Bloom owns a company. It's like he doesn't come with all of his employees. I mean, he has connections. He has relationships with youth. Um, I don't know how that would be helpful in a university setting. Um, but yeah, that like I, I, I kind of attack that argument a little bit you know i i think i mentioned that it's not necessarily his khaki scouts but his khaki scouts also have access to other um potential uh university students um but also so, sorry i should have mentioned this but there's also an incentive for the khaki scouts to join this university they're going to get a high reward um in or a high ranking in khaki scout camp Easy. Another, another yes. patch, right? Patch, yeah. <laughs> it's the university yes. patch. <laughs> and then for, for extra entertainment value, I'm going to suggest that the university that my people are running is a secret criminal university, that it's teaching people how to become <laughs> criminals, because you have like Dignan and Pagoda and Herman Bloom, and they're all like kind of sketchy people. So while they're trying to front a university that looks legitimate, they're legitimately trying to train people to be better criminals. Cars is trying to play the okay. judge right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but but. So here's here's the counter argument. So if 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 the if the if the university is known to be a criminal criminal oriented university, how far is that degree going to get the protagonist in life? Right. If if, if same same argument for, for your university, Martin. No, but mine mine is a fake degree for a fake university. I, I could call it like the most prestigious because it's it's fake i it's it's just going yeah, to be on but paper how far are they going to get through in life if they didn't learn anything hey look at all these rich businessmen that didn't go to school mark Zuck uh, they, they're oh, so there's high school dropouts you know they're in, in today's they're world you don't still. need to go to school to be to be yeah rich. if you're a genius no 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 you have no, dimitri no, no no you just have to be motivated with a good business idea at the right time that's, which that's is why I think a that a fraudulent degree doesn't matter for criminals because, I mean, they're not looking for very good qualifications. They're looking for people who know what they're doing. So in my mind, the idea could actually work. It's entertaining to see it fall apart because it definitely will, but uh, <laughs> it could work, maybe. It's up to you, Paulo. <laughs> this is... Um, Good. Well, yeah, there was like 10 seconds left, but uh, yeah, um, this was uh, pretty close. I I am leading, actually, I'm going to give this one to Bernice. Um, her 
her team, and this is I'm I'm basing like a lot of this on a hundred percent on your arguments because like from what I've seen from Wes Anderson movies, like my knowledge is not even close to like keeping up with your <laughs> with what you guys are saying, but like from what you're saying, I like I saw that Bernice had like teachers, which was a big thing for me, like <laughs> a lot of her classes. Yeah. Um using the kids as students was a was a big plus as well. Um, um I mean I, I saw a lot more of the uh the fields filled with uh with Bernice's team. So I'm gonna give that one to thank uh you, thank you. Good job. I needed that because I know I'm gonna lose the rest. <laughs> I also appreciate just just the consistent use of using the kids uh the, the scout troop. <laughs> Yeah, like I mean, why are they that important? Like there's as other like, side as it is, I don't know. That uh that one's working well for me, but I will not let you to I will not allow you to uh win me over with that one again. <laughs> uh so let's ch- chalk that up to scenario one for Bernice. Congratulations. Um yeah. scenario two. Um your protagonist has lost his or her fortune after a very bad business deal. Think um think Oceans thirteen. Uh, what's that old guy's name? Doesn't matter. But uh, basically, yeah. Lost a fortune after a bad business deal. They have learned via Reddit that there is a treasure treasure map on the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. So to regain the their fortune and get revenge on the offending company or CEO, whoever, you can create your own antagonist here. Uh, they must assemble a crack team to steal the Declaration of Independence and follow the map to find the treasure. Um, so we're going to go in reverse order this time, uh, keeping in, in with a snake draft. So Martin, you are first. Okay. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with my main character as um, Anthony Adams from uh, Bottle Rocket. Some because he's like a... He's like a very, very talented heistman. So he's he's really, I mean, he's really knowledgeable about how to plan a strategy, how to plan an attack to steal something like the the DOI. So I'll have him as my main character and a supporting cast. Um, um, okay, so we'll use uh, Monsieur Ivan from the Secret Society of Cross Keys to to um, to use a network to find more information about where the DOI is stored in any sort of like tidbits of knowledge, little hints here and there that we can gather from really exclusive resources to help us sort of figure out where we need to go, what are the steps we need to t- take to uh, to find the DOI. Um, uh, Madam D can be our our um, our sole sort of uh, uh, investor. She can provide the, the, the equipment, any sort of like guns or or digging equipment or airplane tickets or motorcycles or whatever we need accommodations whatever the team needs to to um to plan this this heist um sam can be sort of our lead navigator he's really as a boy scout he's he really understands the territory he knows how to use a compass and a map so that's like perfect for this sort of situation um dimitri can sort of be used as like sort of the lead um lead perpetrator lead like aggressive um like bodyguard any sort of physical violence that, that's required to get to the DOI, he'll he'll be in charge of it. And uh, Max is just, you know, good con artist, small, nimble, can get through <laughs> small places. Um, yeah, that's sort of my argument. All right. 15 seconds to spare. 
Carson. Okay, you so are next. Yeah, my protagonist is Eleanor Zizu, and she's the one putting this team together. Um, but the team itself is going to be led by Dignan, who is the best con artist and planner on the board here. I don't know where this idea of Anthony Adams being a good con artist is coming from. I'm going to attack that later. Um, but basically, I have <laughs> a, a leader on my team who can organize this, which is Dignan from Bottle Rocket. And then I have an international assassin in Pagoda. Um, and then Dirk Calloway works as an effective uh, diversion because he's a kid. He's an innocent kid. And, you know, if he gets into trouble in, like, the museum or wherever the Declaration of Independence is, like, you know, people will draw attention towards that. And then, you know, even though Eleanor Zizu has lost her fortune, Herman Bloom also was worth 10 million dollars he can help finance some of this operation so i'm hinging a lot of this on dignan and pagoda and if this comes down to a battle of the bottle rocket boys which are dignan versus alexander or anthony adams i'm gonna go with the guy who didn't go to rehab because he was exhausted and didn't want to talk about water sports uh, so i'm going with dignan rehab. voluntary rehab <laughs> save save it save it for the fight martin <laughs> you can't you can't fight back yet and i'm done Okay, Carson, straight to the point, using minimal time. I like it. Um, Bernice, your turn. Okay, it's going to go downhill from here. <laughs> so my, my protagonist is Rally St. Clair. His business, well, his business deal was basically surrounding his um, findings in his science world, whatever. Um, but his this goal is going to be led by... Um, Christopherson, he's a fox. He's really good at sneaking around and grabbing whatever they need from the opponent. Um, also led by Captain Ben. He's a, a leader in the Khaki Scouts. So he's really, good. he's really good at planning. Definitely better than Sam from Moonrise Kingdom because Sam is simply a Khaki Scout. But I have Captain Ben, who's a leader. Definitely higher skills there. And we can use the kids for distraction. <laughs> <laughs> whenever we need it um i'm also using uh eli cash because he has celebrity status and he has the capacity to ruin the rep uh, reputation of my opponent if need be um with the help of susan bishop who's a lawyer um we can find really find any flaw that we that we could use against the opponent and then really just bring it out there in the media thanks to eli cash and we have um Captain Hennessy as worst like last resort if they need to escape the country because their plans <laughs> failed. We have a ship ready to go. I and like how you're prepared for failure, Bernice. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not the actual strategy, just the failure. Oh, I'm pretty. I'm very confident that Christopherson can get this uh, DOI because he's proved a lot of things in Fantastic Mr. Fox. He's he's stolen from three different barns, so I'm I'm confident in his skills here. But I have a plan B, you know. <laughs> All right. How uh, is it? You'll, you'll find out later yeah. if I count that as extra points. <laughs> um, um, I'm going to give you guys uh, five minutes now to uh, poke holes in each other's teams uh, for the scenario and go. Quick question, uh, Paulo. Would we be able to see the, the teams on your screen? Because sometimes I forget which oh, yeah, character sorry. belongs to which. You know what? I'm, I have my notes on here as well, so I don't want you to see those. Oh, so <laughs> while he's um, bringing those up, I can make a couple points here. Um, so okay, yeah, Bernice, yeah. Bernice, when I look at your team, I see a lot of people who follow rules or have public status, and I think them potentially getting caught in criminal affairs is uh, difficult. You got, you know, Raleigh St. Clair, he's a professor. You got Cousin Ben, he's a troop leader. You got a lawyer. You yeah. got 
Alistair Hennessy, who lives off his ability to get grants. And it's like, I don't think a team, first of all, people who follow rules their whole life are going to be able to get the Declaration of Independence. Um, so sorry, I'm kind of discounting your team and I'm going to be attacking Martin more. Um, but really, I am bringing it down to like Dignan versus Anthony Adams. And like, Anthony Adams is a very lazy person. He He's really just mm-hmm. going along. Dignan is the mm-hmm. one who's coming up with all the ideas. He's driving it. Like, I don't think Anthony Adams is motivated enough to do anything. Um, and then also in terms of diversion and like sympathy, like Max Fisher and Sam are both very annoying characters that no one likes. And so I think it would be difficult for that team to uh, work together. Whereas I think like Herman Bloom, Dignan and Pagoda, you got a good balance of like leadership and followers that it's like they can be organized and have a chance to get it done. I would have to disagree about Dignan because his plans are awful. Like as you saw from Bottle Rocket, his plan drastically failed and it was his one shot to prove himself and it, it just didn't yeah, work. Uh, Pagoda is also like just a follower. Yeah. Also Pagoda is like 80 years old. This guy's this guy can can barely walk a straight line. Like he as an international assassin, I'm sorry, he's 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 not what you're looking for. If you're looking for international assassin or anyone who could commit violence at a drastic level, it's probably going to be Dimitri cuz we've we've seen in in, in Budapest that he's um he he'll he'll get what he wants even if it's through the use of force um i think anthony adams is more talented as a heisman compared to dignan yes dignan is more enthusiastic but in terms of actual execution we uh, it's it's clear as as day that um anthony adams is the much more talented um person in terms of like strategy in terms of actual physical um athleticism um and uh, I mean, like, sure, you can. I, I mean, I can argue that that you'll you'll get some kind of like internal relationship tension amongst any of these teams because we're forcing these characters to be together. But I think with the incentive of the the incentive of treasure or the DOI, which will lead to a lot of money, I think the people um, on my team would be willing to get over the fact that yes, they might have some conflicting moral values or or, or what have you because. Um, because there's a big uh, uh, prize involved. So going back to Anthony Adams versus Dignan, like Dignan, he's a doer. He's got ideas and he got double crossed and that's a bummer and he got used. But I, I think when it comes to motivation and actually coming up with an idea, he'll get the ball rolling. And then you have people like a Herman Bloom and an Eleanor Zizu to like run by those ideas to perfect them. Like, I don't think Anthony Adams comes up with any ideas. I think he kind of just no. goes along with the. He's flow. the executioner. He's 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 sort of like like he's but sort when of in, like um, when in Bottle Rocket thought, did he like initiate anything? Oh no no I, I'm, okay maybe he's not the initiator. He's not the one creating the strategy. He's the athletic all star that's going to get the job done. But maybe someone else on the team is going to be able to provide a strategy. Like Max Fisher, I feel he's very organized. He's he's extremely um, like well prepared to to do something even if it's like even if it is sort of like he needs to do it illegally or under the table he'll figure out a strategy um clearly like this guy was the president of so many clubs so he clearly understands what it takes to organize an effort to achieve a goal um so that's that's maybe he would be the he also strategist fails all the, his uh, classes academically, i still think uh, i have a strong i, I still have a strong team <laughs> I'm going to go through the legal route, you know, of distracting uh, the offending company through slander and just bad press. And in the background, my team, 
leading uh, led by Christofferson and Captain Ben. They will be stealing the treasure while the again the offending uh, offending company offending company yeah offending company is just being hammered by uh, lawsuits thanks to Susan <laughs> Bishop and Eli Cash. I don't know a two men a two man uh, team. I think it's it's too small, Bernice. I don't what think you're gonna get very far. I mentioned I mentioned many. They all have different roles oh. planned out thanks to Captain Ben. And time. All right. Um, very convincing arguments. Um, I actually, Bernice, I I took the celebrity status to work against you because in, in terms of like a heist type thing, I, I felt like uh, Eli uh, drew too much unnecessary attention to your team. Um, I mean, you, you came back a little bit with like the lawsuits and using the like using that status um to to focus on um the, like getting revenge but not as much on the the heist part of getting the uh the uh declaration of independence uh came down to you uh carson and martin's teams um it was very close the the battle that it, i mean you guys also focused on was dignan versus anthony adams and mm-hmm. i mean I got the sense that there was a lot more of like financiers on Martin's team and not as many doers <laughs> um, aside from Anthony Adams, uh, who, I mean, I felt like essentially would have been doing things himself. So I, I have to give this one to Carson also extra points to the Swiss army knife of Pagoda. Have, have but, you but, seen but Bottle Pagoda Rocket? Is not Bottle? really, I mean, in the movie, like, I mean, guy's- this guy's not, I, and this a lot of this is happening in my imagination. So I, I got to be clear. Like, this is you are one hundred percent melding my my perception of these characters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you see what Pagoda looks like and uh, what he does in the movie, he's yeah. I, oh, I, I know what he looks like. He's not eighty, maybe sixty. <laughs> <laughs> um, I but yes, uh, that point goes to Carson. With Good Martin job. as a close second. Um, scenario three. Uh, I think we're going to actually no. Um, forget that. Scenario three. Your protagonist has become obsessed with an Instagram model slash influencer. He or she must assemble a team to seek this person out and seem like a successful influencer themselves, so that they can become best friends. Um, can you tell that I've stolen these scenarios from? Uh, from movies that I like. <laughs> um, I think, Carson, you have not gone first yet, so we're going to lead with you, and then Martin, and then Bernice. Okay. Sure. So my protagonist, and I don't know why I'm going this route, but it's going to be Dirk Calloway. Um, for some reason, he has fallen in love with a, uh, a TikTok influencer, and I'm, I'm just going to say it's someone his own age, just to make it not weird. Um so there's not a lot of people who have uh, kind of access to technology in Wes Anderson movies. So I think we're all going to struggle with that across the board. Dirk Calloway. Yeah. That movie came out in the mid nineties, but I feel like if you drop him into modern day, he's a younger person. He can pick up the technology side of like being a social media influencer. Um, also uh, having a member of the society of cross keys, I think is extremely valuable in this competition because getting a good seat at a major show or getting a good seat at a restaurant uh, comes into play, and I know Martin has another member of this, but Bernice does not. So I'm taking that shot now. But I, I do think Mjean, 
Uh, he, he plays a big role in this one in terms of like getting Dirk into the right places where he can get the right photo ops. Um, and then you have Dignan being a bit of a con artist as well. Um, I'm not sure where Herman and Eleanor Zizu come into play, you know, get some resources to get him tickets to these restaurants. Um, uh, and yeah, Pagoda, he's kind of being the servant along the way. But yeah, basically I'm focusing on Dirk Calloway. Um, he's the Instagrammable person of this bunch, um, relying on Mjean, um and the Zizu and Bloom resources um, to produce a good social media platform to get the attention of the person that he's fallen in love with. Okay. Um, Martin, you are next. Okay, so um, main character of my scenario would probably Max Fisher from Rushmore as he's the youngest and probably the most, uh, I guess, acceptable or susceptible to being influenced by, you know, the whole social media paradigm. Uh, Max Fisher is obsessed with attention, obsessed with popularity, obsessed with, like, just being the spotlight. You know, he, he made his own plays so he could be the famous director. Um, so this guy's really good with, like, with with attention so i think atten- and being attention seeking so i think he'd be a really good sort of main character as as someone who's going to be the the influencer to make influencer friends um and then we'll have sam as sort of like his best friend not so good looking you know we sort of have those kind of dynamics in like social media they have like the the best friend that's like not as talented but semi-famous so we'll have sam sort of as like that awkward cool um influencer best friend to max uh and then we'll have uh anthony adams as sort of like, um, you know, like the cool dad, like he's the dad of the of the influencer. You know, he does like those dances on on like on Instagram or on TikTok with the kid. Um, you know, Luke Wilson's a pretty like I think versatile dance. Like he looks like he could dance, so um, <laughs> he's he'd be one of those like cool dads. Um, like Carson, um, I would use Madame D and Monsieur Ivan as people. Actually, no, I'll use M- Monsieur Ivan from the Society of. Um, cross keys, yes, to to network to get us to get us um, into into high ranking social activities um, with the right people. Um, I would also maybe use Madame D's connections as sort of like a like a rich matriarch to help um, Max uh, get like a like a girlfriend um, in another like influencer family, like another wealthy influ- influencer family. Sort of make that sort of like a like f- family connection to really um expedite sort of their their influence across the social media universe and uh dimitri Time. is yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry Martin, i have to cut you That's off okay. there All good. um bernice you are up it's a good argument from martin bernice your turn you're muted sorry bernice <laughs> i'll restart your time for you okay there you go so my cap, uh, my protagonist is Captain Hennessy, which I believe has the easiest path to success. He's already built a lot of his, um, you know, like past pretending to be rich. Even I was fooled. Uh, if Carson didn't mention, I thought he was just uh, wealthy. Um, but he has already he already has access to like ships that he can use to pretend um, all these high end suits to pretend that he's rich. So my 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 goal for my influencer image is just those uh rich kids on anderson universe rich kids of instagram kind of thing so we will employ cousin ben and his band of khaki scouts um to increase the followers on instagram since they are still young people uh they're always on their phone so definitely increase 
uh, fake increase those counts on Instagram as followers. We will use Christofferson as an accessory. You know, other people use black jaguars as a, a sign of power or to impress other people. We have a fox that can speak. Um, I will also <laughs> use uh, <laughs> Susan Bishop for moral support. And um, <laughs> Rally, we're actually going to leverage his uh, background in in neuroscience to surely he also knows behavioral science so we're going to try to also increase the organic growth of his followers uh, moving forward because we're looking long long term as well um but also lastly i think one uh really good thing in my team is that i have eli cash who already has celebrity status. So my my person will be endorsed by this person who already has his own band of following, who's already been in media. So just one mention is already going to quickly increase uh, and better the image of uh, Captain Hennessy. The end. Time, wow, perfect timing. All right, good points made by all. Um, your five minutes to attack each other starts. No. I so, just want to say one thing, if it's okay. You, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> uh, Bernice, I think you fucked up because I would have personally chosen a talking fox as my influencer because, in all honesty, if I saw a fox talking, that's that's an instant follow on social media. Um, actually, so. I'm preparing just for say. other scenarios, so I'm planning ahead. Just say. So speaking that will of. Be used uh, later. Speaking of fucking up, uh, Martin, uh, you have a very <laughs> likable person on your team in Anthony Adams, and I know you've already used him as your protagonist, but I think he would have been a great influencer and I would have been like scared of your team. Uh, but instead you've chosen <laughs> Max Fisher, which is like a person who is universally hated. And also the mm -hmm. concept of Max Fisher trying to win someone's affection is literally the plot of Rushmore and he <laughs> fails horribly at it. So I don't think Max Fisher can be successful at winning anyone over. Although the fact that he's kind of like a nerd and does a lot of things would work a lot better in 2020 than it would in the mid 90s but he's still a very unlikable mm -hmm. character but my counter argument my counter argument is that by the end of the movie he became he sort of like he became a likable character i mean his his work with his the, the play that he made about vietnam i think people reappreciated and he sort of had a, a change of um of character and i think at the end ultimately he understood sort of what makes him a likable character um, so I think at that point, by the end of the movie, he sort of understands his strengths and I think probably would use that to his advantage, um, trying to be a social media influencer that's really creative, really artistic. Um, um, and I, people like that. Uh, people like that. Uh, creative people. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I disagree. <laughs> so, I just don't see that. At the end of Rushmore, I was still annoyed by his character. Yeah, and then you got other people on your team with like Sam from Moonrise Kingdom, who is also universally hated, and Dimitri, who is literally a bad guy. And it's like, I don't think these guys together <laughs> well, can produce did, a likable <laughs> image. I didn't give Dimitri a, a role because I knew he was a bad character, so uh, he's sort of like on the sitting on the side. But like, I guess my my my, my social influencers would be like those. I guess a little awkward. Um, but you know, like yeah, twenty twenty. There's we have different values and. Uh, these these people could really make it big in uh, Instagram with the right with the right support. <laughs> I, um, also... I have a couple questions Sorry, for you guys. Sorry, Carson, do you want to get your point out first? No, 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 go ahead. Okay. Um, the first one is for uh, Bernice. How how famous is Eli Cash? Um, 
very famous. He, I, very? I, like in the on TV, I'm sorry, on in the movie, at least I know he's um, like he's been in. There's a lot of press on him, like both good and bad. I shouldn't have disclosed that. But anyways, <laughs> there's a lot of press on him, and you know, like any any publicity is good publicity, as per Trump. So all we need are our followers. So if that's all we're looking for, they, he can definitely do the job. Who would you guys compare Eli Cash to in real life? Because he's a, he's a famous author of Western novels and he yeah. does like other stuff. But I don't know a good parallel of Eli. But I would agree that he is like generally a, a household name in the context of that yeah. movie. I mean, like he sort of, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I mean, in, in our in in real life there's not a lot of like famous writers that have sort of the noto- yeah. notoriety as as a, like a celebrity usually writers aren't like celebrities like yeah. like actors um but in in Tenenbaum he's like he like has sort of has like both he's sort of like the celebrity he has the celebrity fame of an actor but he's he's really famous being an English professor and and writing some some stuff for yeah. In the context of Wes Anderson's world, authors are celebrities. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Go Sorry, ahead. I was going to make more negative points, but you have more questions, so keep going with those. I have one. I have one more question, um, and I would like to hear your negative points. We have a bunch of time left, so it's fine. Um, between Monsieur Jean or Jean and Monsieur mm-hmm. Ivan. Um, they're both part of the secret society, but do, are there like levels to the secret society? Like, do do either of them? Is there a reason for me to pick one over the other, uh, considering their their access to uh, to resources stuff? <laughs> like, why should I pick one over the uh, the other? Basically, I don't think there's a hierarchy for the society of cross keys. Yeah, it's not it's not a, a plot that was developed, or it's like. If it was, it's I haven't seen like the 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 book or the side movie about it. It's sort of like it was just existed in the in Grand Budapest and and uh, they didn't really elaborate much on like the actual structure of the organization. So in my yeah, in my opinion, they're they're sort of like equal level. Okay, that didn't really help. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I mean like not what you were saying, Martin. Like yeah. I was hoping for a separation between the two. Yeah. yeah. Um, Carson, did you have? I'm gonna give. I'm gonna extend this one by a little bit because it's really close between the three of you. I have. I have a critique. Uh, I mean, unless you want to go, Carson. Two more minutes on the clock, guys. It's open to everyone. So very quick, and then Martin, go ahead. I was just gonna mention Alistair Hennessy. Like part of the uh, charm of a movie like this, like the one that Paulo was ripping off for this scenario, is the fact that you like accidentally meet somebody, and Alistair Hennessy's work is at sea. So unless the influencer that he's trying to get with is also at sea he's very frequently not around so it would have to be a challenge for him to kind of create these accidental scenarios where he happens to be in the same place as his influencer martin wait actually that was a knock on bernice's team right yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, but Martin also had a point. So, I mean, between the two of you, you can either defend Bernice or Martin. You can go ahead with your point. Bernice, do you want to retaliate or? <laughs> um, I mean, it wasn't clear who the other influencer was. The other influencer could have also been um, an explorer in the ocean. So in my world, that's who he's targeting. <laughs> okay. So my critique is... 
or influencer, which is he picked Dirk. Um, Dirk is really, um, at least in, in, in the movie, he, I mean, he plays a role, yes, but he doesn't play much of a role, so we don't get to see much of his, like, personality, and, and, and he's sort of like a, in my opinion, a really boring child character. Um, I don't think he has much enthusiasm or charisma or spizzazz or jazz or whatever that, that would make, that would propel him to be a, a good social media influencer. Um, yes, he is part of, I guess, like a rich family, but I mean, are all of our team's people with, with access to money. So I don't think that should be a standout factor for Dirk as, um, as a, as a social media influencer. I just don't think he has the personality, um, to really be in the spotlight in, in my opinion. So here's what I'll say to that one, when, uh, Max Fisher comes back to Rushmore at one point, there's like the gang of Rushmore children, like attack him and, uh, Dirk Calloway is the one dressed up as a wizard. So I, I don't, I feel like there's a personality there. We don't see it in Rushmore, but he seems like he's one of the more eccentric people. Um, also, and I don't know how this factors in, but he's got a hot mom and somehow this is going to factor <laughs> into like his social media. And that's like, other people are going to watch his stuff because of that. Okay. This is a very, this is time now. Uh, this is a very important, important point, uh, important point. Who is Dirk Calloway's mom played by? <laughs> so she is played by the actress who plays Hippolyta in DC. Like the queen of the Amazons. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> but probably much younger in that movie. Yes, I'm a younger this, woman. Of course. Version. This is the the most difficult choice so far that I've had to make out of the uh, out of any of the scenarios. Um, Bernice. I think there's a lot more effort in theirs. Like my, I'm already like 75% there. It's just a little bit of a hit thanks to Khaki Scouts and Eli Cash. <laughs> well, yeah. So the, the things I liked about your team, Bernice, was the, the use of Khaki Scouts as um, <laughs> as like followers. Right. That, was, that was cool. Um, but I mean, like 20 will not move the needle for an, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> an Instagram uh, uh, influencer. Um, they had zero. <laughs> Also, uh, using Susan Bishop as moral support was minus points for me. Um, and <laughs> also, uh, Eli, um, the question of like how famous was he, considering that he was an author. Um, I mean, maybe in Wes Anderson's world that makes him like famous, but in like social media, um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking? For? Social media land. It's yeah. maybe not so much like I, I don't think you'll find an author on TikTok. um so i mean there was a lot of good pieces also christopherson i think was a like if martin made a good point if christopherson was the 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 main character i would 100 percent go for a talking fox (laughs) Um, but they're attached sorry wherever hennessy is christopherson is also there Uh, you should have worded it differently should have worded it differently but i have i'm sorry i have to eliminate you from this one bernice um it was very close, though. Uh, like all three of you, Carson, um, Carson, um, your wait, where's my notes? Um, it was I. I had to take a point away from you for saying tickets to restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> um, a plus was Dirk uh, using Dirk Calloway as the protagonist, um, with Monsieur Jean uh, as your uh, your bankroll. I mean, but then the problem was like. I didn't have enough familiarity and I, it felt like, uh, and this is direct comparison to Martin's team. Um, uh, there wasn't enough, uh, I, there wasn't enough points hit 
especially in the movie that I was knocking off, <laughs> which is Ingrid Goes West. Shout out to Ingrid Goes West on Amazon Prime now. Um, um, I, I felt like Martin's team was a lot closer, especially with uh, using a, a quote-unquote unlikable character like Max Fisher. Um, is a very close parallel to Ingrid, which it sucks that I'm not being original, but I mean, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's in line with what I like, so I appreciated that. And um, the weird note about Anthony Adams being a cool dad, um, I actually <laughs> use that as a positive. Um, um, and also I used the example, I've made a note of uh, Jake and Logan Paul being very popular, even though they're pieces of shit. So I think that uh, worked in your favor, Martin. Uh, so I'm going to give this point to Martin's team. Sweet. I meant um, to pick a, a Waris Aluwalia character for this scenario, and then I just forgot to. So I messed <laughs> up in my draft. <laughs> to, to use who? Uh, so Waris Aluwalia. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but he's a, like a fashion icon or a fashion designer in real life who is, appears in a few Wes Anderson movies. So I was like, damn, I, I specifically was going to pick one of his characters for this scenario, and then I forgot. That... Uh, it, it was so close, the decision between your three teams, it, it was so close that I think that might have pushed it over the edge for you, Carson. <laughs> Not to make you feel worse. Um, all right. Final um, final scenario. Um, your protagonist has been tricked into a deal with the devil to create a hit song and perform, and perform it to a sold-out crowd in concert or he or she loses their soul, souls, their team is included. So everyone is invested in this one. Mm. Um, who has not gone? No, everyone's gone first, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to go back to uh, the draft order. So Bernice, you are going first. Um, uh, two minutes on the clock. Okay. Ready cool. and go. Okay, so my protagonist as... Um we've all been waiting for is Christofferson. He will be the singer, uh, a singing fox, automatically a hit that nobody else has. Um, I have Eli Cash, who's a prominent writer. He's going to write uh, the songs. Um, We have uh, Hennessy to get grants, according to Carson. He's not rich, but he has access (laughs) to grants. Um, Also, I will have Cousin Ben to play the drums. (laughs) And... Um, and lists any of the khaki scouts who knows how to play instruments. For sure, we will find one there. Um, we have Rally St. Clair to just work the lights. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Susan, Susan, Susan Bishop uh, will be used to find, you know, as a backup to find any potential discrepancies in this contract with the devil that maybe they can be. <laughs> released from this deal but overall i think uh christopherson will be a huge hit and will be easy to get a sold out stadium for all right uh do you defer the rest of your 40 seconds Uh, all right um uh, carson you're next right yeah uh so I've, i've kind of used all my protagonists so i guess my uh singing star is gonna have to be pagoda (laughs) <laughs> um, and Sold out. <laughs> Done. With, Next. With, Done. With, with the finances of Herman Bloom and Eleanor Zizu, they're somehow going to have to bankroll Pagoda to become like an international singing so- sensation. Uh, 
I don't know how that's going to work. I don't have a lot of arguments for this one, so I'm probably just going to spend this time picking apart your guys' team. Uh, but that's what I'm going with. I'm going with uh, Pagoda Singing Sensation. Strong defense is a good is a good offense. All right. Would Would you like to involve uh, the rest of your? I mean, the other members of your team. I so I have like my two protagonists left were Pagoda and Monster Jean, um, and it's like. Probably Pagoda's the worst option, but he's so bad it could be entertaining as a story to see him on stage. Um, like, Eleanor Zizou, she's... Oh, no, I was thinking of Ethelene Tenenbaum. No. So, <laughs> there's really nobody that can contribute to a singing... I mean, Dirk Calloway is involved in, like, drama. So, like, he might be, like, the the writing and the story behind this, but I'm, I'm more or less taking a knee on this argument. <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> Martin, your two minutes starts now. Okay. So um, my, like, same with Carson, I'm running out of protagonist. So I actually, I'm actually going to go with Dimitri as my protagonist because he's, like, sort of middle-aged. He's, like, he looks sort of fit. He, he has, like, a nice jawline. Um, it's, it's Adrian Brody. He, he's actually a really good-looking person. So visually i think he'd be good sort of as like that main stage person like uh like a like a freddie mercury type uh, i don't know how he sings but let's just hope that he sings really well um another key f- uh player in this team would be max fisher max fisher pretty much spent his childhood creating plays so that includes the like the like the administrative part of it like the logistics like getting the lighting right picking the theater, um, the curtains, um, getting the actors, getting the producers, the scripts all, all managed or all organized. So, um, that would be, that would play into the sort of the concert aspect of, um, of the, of the, of the scenario, right. Getting the, the concert ready logistically. Um, Anthony Adams, Luke Wilson, again, very athletic, um, uh, very suave. So he'll be like a background dancer, <laughs> like, you know, entertaining the crowd visually, um, while, while Dimitri does it sonically. Um, and then we got, we got, uh, um, Sam, uh, from Moonrise handling the logistics cause he's very organized, very disciplined. Um, um, so he'll help Max with like all the logistics and stuff. Madam D will be the, Madam D will be the financier and Monsieur Ivan, um, because he's a concierge, he understands like customer experience, customer satisfaction, <laughs> customer engagement. He'll be in charge of sort of like the like the social strategy and also the concert experience strategy of the of the of the scenario, making sure that people really enjoy the concert, that they take it to heart, that they tweet about it. Hashtag Dimitri live in concert 2020, <laughs> that kind of thing. Done. Wow, that that's perfect timing as well. Um, all right. Your last five minutes. Uh, I would also like to mention that there's a three-way tie right now. So everything is coming <laughs> down to, to this, to, to these five minutes right here. So, uh, have at it. Go. Singing Fox. <laughs> yeah. I mean, singing Fox. Yeah. So- but I also have Hennessy. They can do, uh, tours through the boat. They can access different um, geographic locations thanks to his ship easily. Yeah, but there's a lot of legal liabilities like you got to cover with being on the water. Like it's, it's, I think it's a, it's a hard sell as opposed to like a physical theater. So I don't know. I think no, it's just an option. It's just a side option. You also forgot we have Susan Bishop who can handle all these uh, legal problems. Not as, <laughs> that was a single, single, uh, single litigator. 
so in our reality, we don't have a talking fox. And I think even <laughs> if a fox comes out who is the best singer in the world, I don't know if the world is ready for a talking fox. And I think they're going to be more concerned with the fact that animals have become sentient and that's going to cause a lot of global problems. So I think there's <laughs> issues there, but here's the thing that does exist yeah, in do. our reality is there's a guy named William Hung who is not a very good <laughs> singer, but people are very entertained by him and he sells albums. And so Pagoda is going to be the new William Hung and he's going to sell out one auditorium just once and then everyone's going to get bored of him after, but he's going to sell exactly. out that stadium once and fulfill his obligation to the devil. I think singing Fox can still trump William Hung. <laughs> I think, I think overall, <laughs> though, like, like I, I think you guys are gimmicky. You're doing like gimmicky strategies. Yeah, we just I, need I don't sold know. I, I think you need a consistent, no, consistent, and super engaged, super like like well done concert that's that really just knocks people's socks off no, like, the goal is a sold out show so their experience you don't even know yet like you already bought the tickets and you don't know what the experience is going to be like so the biggest thing is attraction okay but then here's my argument you could we could have argued that we could have used our financiers to buy all the tickets if the only goal was to just sell out even you don't even have then to have people in the thing Right. So is it really just about like, is it really sold just about out like, crowd. like to the, perform to a sold out like, crowd. A, a, like at a superficial level, like, or is the devil looking for real, real engagement, real, like, oh, this is this guy's this. I get it. Like, I get this is a real concert. This is this is the next Freddie Mercury. This is the next whatever. So you know? if you're saying then like the concept that we all have financiers, we could all buy out a stadium to get people in like all three of our teams could fulfill the obligation of getting a sold out crowd. But exactly, which of right. these scenarios is the most entertaining to see somebody try to accomplish for to like to satisfy the devil's obligations. And in my opinion, you know, seeing a, a talking Fox, that's like a kid's movie that everyone gets bored of seeing Pagoda <laughs> being an international sensation. That's the movie I want to see. <laughs> it's 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 the thing with bad singers it's a hit or miss. it's not like every bad singer in the world always gets a chance to go on stage it's actually no. very very rare so the fact that pagoda would even get that opportunity is it's 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 slim pickings compared to let's say a yeah. more decent not decent okay a more uh you know attractive socially attractive uh uh, uh white male like uh dimitri um yeah. but I would also argue, like, since we've already had William Hung, it already already took away some of the novelty of another um, person like William Hung. Like the the first time it was it was entertaining, but the second time I don't think it will have as much of a a hit as before. Like people can watch their their grandmas uh, or grandpas at home and family parties as well, which Pagoda <laughs> is. <laughs> He's not that old, guys. <laughs> he just looks old. I'm gonna look up how old that actor is. I don't know if he can even last is. a full show. This is this is also true. I mean, this we're is, not this. saying that it's like a rock show. He can have like chill music, you know, <laughs> sitting in a chair. Harmonica. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm, do you guys have any last arguments to make before I make my decision? I rest my case. <laughs> um man 
So just in this in a similar way, how the last decision was very tough because all the arguments were good. Um, I think this one was very tough uh, because most of the arguments were bad. <laughs> um, I mean, sorry, not like bad arguments, but I. Um, it might be surprising to you guys, but I took a lot of your arguments in a negative way. <laughs> um, I mean, like as minuses towards your towards your overall case. So, I mean, I'm gonna start with I'm gonna start with Carson. <laughs> so, I mean, you you took a knee at the beginning, <laughs> um, using Pagoda as your <laughs> as your singer. Um, he would he helped you a lot in um, I think scenario two or the 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 declaration of independence one um, but I, I mean like my three notes were like pagoda singer bad William <laughs> hung bad <laughs> and Carson is lying about wanting a pagoda movie <laughs> so um, I mean I think you, you your team just kind of ran out of steam there Um it's fine. I accept that uh, result. <laughs> <laughs> um, you did make a good point. Well, I mean, the 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 William Hung point was like close, but then it just kind of like fizzled out at the end. Um, Martin, um, I had a question for you. Actually, has Jason Schwartzman ever played a good or likable character? Actually, this mm -hmm. is open for everyone because I'm trying to think of this and I I can't. Like, I can't think of uh... any good or likable character that Jason Schwartzman has played? Let me check. I'm no, sure even he's... Even as a fox. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure a he's fox a great anyways. guy. But... Cousin Ben's not an unlikable character. Yeah. He's a pretty, like, middle-of-the-road yeah, type character. Neutral. Yeah, he's sort of neutral. Okay. If anything, he's more positive. But okay. not. he's not, like, super, super, super likable. Not like that. And okay. Jack he just Whitman. seems like... Sorry, yeah, So Jack Whitman, who wasn't picked here, like, he's... He's not a terrible character. He's not likable, but I wouldn't say that like he's despisable either. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, yeah. So that that was one thing. Like, well, not just that, but like you, you had a your your biggest hurdle was that a lot of your characters were kind of unlikable. Um, Dimitri being your your front man was 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 tough. You were fighting an uphill battle there. Um, <laughs> Um, which I mean, not necessarily was a bad thing. I mean, sure, celebrities could be bad and still sell out shows, but I, I think it it didn't quite quite work here. Um, bad boy, I, people love bad boys. <laughs> people love bad boy rock stars. It's true, but I mean, and this is more of like I, I'm more of ashamed to say this, but the the top, the singing fox kind of <laughs> swung me here. <laughs> Um, I mean, and not even just because I'm an idiot, which is like half of the battle, but also like thinking like specifically you need to sell out a show to win, to like to to fulfill your deal with the devil. I, I really do think that a singing fox <laughs> would draw a pretty big crowd. And I was not, I did not foresee this <laughs> being the ending to the battle, but it was. And I also gave uh, Bernice extra points uh, for thinking of Susan Bishop trying to find legal loopholes in the contract with the devil. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, I, it, it wasn't just the singing fox for me in my defense. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give that, that point goes to Bernice. That's two to one to one. 
Congratulations, Bernice. Congratulations. That was a, that was a tough plot through. battle. All That's around. some bullshit, but... <laughs> <laughs> definitely the correct pick on the final one there. <laughs> this, I mean, I will say, like, this this whole thing, out of all of these scenarios, these went in a direction that I did not expect at all. Um, well, if you look at the length of your scenario descriptions, too, it becomes shorter and shorter. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was about to say, like, your first one was really detailed, and after that, it just became really one-liners. Well, I mean, like, deal with the devil. What, what else do you need to know, you right? <laughs> for the, uh, for the last um, scenario, Martin, I was hoping you were going to use um, Dimitri having the song of like the adrian brody song i don't know if you guys have ever like seen that one on youtube no, uh, no i haven't singing that one haven't anyway heard. look it up i will after this i haven't heard about that either <laughs> there's an adrian bro oh no wait you've told me about this before. i have <laughs> i was gonna say we've talked about this before yeah no no okay yeah that that might have been a, a negative negative point as well though because <laughs> <laughs> that i remember it but um no that was a you guys made me make some pretty tough choices just now. That was that was really good. Uh, so congratulations to you, Bernice. Stuff. You are the uh, the Wes Anderson uh, queen of the world because no one has had this competition ever. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I mean, yeah, I, I hope everyone listening has had like a good uh, g- has had good exposure to the universe of Wes Anderson and knows what he's about because. Uh, <laughs> This definitely or not. <laughs> I think I think we just confused them more. Yeah, yeah. It's if you've movie. watched Wes Anderson movies and are familiar with the characters, some of these arguments are going to make sense to you. If you haven't, you're going to have no idea what we're talking about. And you will know how what? I felt for the last <laughs> half. <laughs> uh, but you guys did make great arguments. Um, very compelling. Um, what are you guys looking forward to? Turning it into the future. Um. Any any movies that you're looking forward to in our in our current lockdown state? So I'll go first, and I'll use this as an opportunity to tease our next episode. Um, so the next episode that we're releasing is about our favorite movies of 2020. Um, I am trying to finish up the last few movies in preparation for that, so I'm looking through like the the best of 2020 list, seeing what's on there, making sure I hit everything that's like most people would recognize. Um, trying to finish up so I can have a good list. Uh, one of the movies that's been out on a lot of top lists is Kajillionaire, a movie by Miranda July about a family of criminals, uh, like con artists. Um, the trailer looks really good. I'm really excited for it. So I have that queued up. Will it make my top 10? Uh, you'll have to listen to our next episode to find out. Ooh. How about you guys? Um, I'm looking forward to doing the most. Um, it's actually Martin that got me uh, t- into reading the books, uh, at least the first one uh, I'm just uh, finishing up. Um, but I, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Some nonfiction just to kind of escape, you know, like current realities. And I've always um, enjoyed uh, Dennis Villeneuve's um, like films. And I know he's directing this one. And I've also heard a lot of uh, stories about the previous attempts where it, it kind of didn't uh, hit the mark uh, in terms of Dune, but I f- like me and Martin feel like this would be the the director to actually execute this movie properly with the proper cast, and I've seen the trailers, so really excited about that. Sorry, did you say nonfiction? <laughs> oh, sorry, fiction. It's real. There is a Dune. Earth was actually Dune. No, but I agree with you on your point of uh, Denis Villeneuve. 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 
Hey, did you guys know that um, I watched? Okay, I watched an interview of Denis. Like it was, it was something like a, a like a promotional interview, like a one hour interview for something in China for Dune. And when he talks, um, have you heard him talk? He has an no. accent, and it sounds. It sometimes it Filipino. sounds sometimes it sounds Filipino, <laughs> but I think I think it's a Quebecois thing because I I can see like like where like the French influence like the Quebec influence comes from. But sometimes when he talks, it his accent is so harsh that it it sometimes he sounds like a like a like a like a Tito. I don't know for the viewers, it's like a like an older Filipino gentleman. I'm gonna have to look into this one. Yeah, it's pretty funny actually, because <laughs> I I never actually heard him like like do a long a long interview, so it was, I thought it was pretty funny. Never heard that before. Faye is also looking into uh, looking forward to Dune, by the way, because of Timmy. Yeah. <laughs> Timmy. 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 Um, I'm looking forward to Mortal Kombat, uh, because the last, if it's anything like the last Mortal Kombat movie, it's going to be complete shit. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to to seeing that. Who's your favorite Mortal Kombat character? Uh, to be uh, to be honest, I don't even really like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> just like it's just as like a, a novelty thing for me, really. Yeah. So even if they ruin the story, I will still have fun watching. Like, what's what's the story really? It's a fighting competition, pretty much. <laughs> but sorry, sorry, any Mortal Kombat fans <laughs> out there listening right now uh, that I don't care about your franchise. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I'm, I I was actually gonna say Dune too, but uh, I, I guess I can pick another film. Um, I guess to 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 stay on topic with Wes Anderson, he is he was supposed to drop a, a film called The French Dispatch. Um, it was supposed to be actually end of year this year, right? But I think it got delayed because of COVID. Um, so I'm looking forward to The French Dispatch whenever it releases, some point, you know some point before the first half of 2021. And the main reason why I'm looking forward to it is because it's actually, I think it's a black and white film, if I'm not mistaken, um, yes. which is going to be really interesting because one of the, one of the indicators for me when I, when, when I watch a Wes Anderson film is color. Like color is such a huge part of his, of his sort of like his, his portfolio, his, his like his creative tools. Um, like since the Royal Tenenbaums and pretty much moving forward like his 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 pastel storybook sort of um look and feel to his um to his films um is really what drew me in in the first place so the fact that he's going in direction of um of something that's purely black and white um you know at that point you can't rely on sort of like this this really surface level visual appeal right it's going to have to stand upon another foundation whether it's you know character development plot um, what have you. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he sort of tackles that that sort of that sort of um, uh, direction, considering that so many people really, really enjoy the way he uses color in his film and um, seeing if it's if I'm going to have the same experience or if I'm going to learn something new about what I like about uh, um, Wes Anderson. So that's a good point, because he's spoken in the past about his desire to make a horror movie, because a horror movie is very like, different for him and like he wants to keep things vague yeah. whereas a horror movie you have to be very specific about what you're on want your audience to feel at any given time and so i've never kind of pieced that together of like his desire to do something different and versus like the black and white being a departure from mm -hmm. like the color palettes that he's used in the past so uh, that's pretty interesting but also in regards to the two movies you guys brought up i don't know about mortal kombat but uh dune and french dispatch uh they recently 
uh, kind of announced that those are going to be released on HBO Max instead HBO of theaters. Max, yeah. So I'm I'm curious as to what you guys think about like <clears throat> looking forward to those movies and potentially seeing them in a streaming service and not in theaters. They are both visual movies. That's a problem. I know that's such a huge problem for me because I personally like the like going into a yeah. cinema and and being immersed in sort of like the world that the director creates and you can't really get that same experience in your living room or yeah. even in smaller cases in my single room in some some place. So um yeah it's gonna be I, I actually don't know what to do about that like do i just do i just sort of like scratch the itch and just watch it stream or do i am, should i be patient about it it's i don't know it's a difficult decision is that for sure so they're definitely going to launch them on hbo max but they may potentially do them in theaters at the same time so it may be both, yeah. um, and then depending where you are and what the rules are in the situation at that time, you yeah. may not be able to see it yeah. in theaters, but you may be able to. Um, but yeah. also, like, there's been different... a ton of backlash Sorry. around like directors not wanting to work with Warner Brothers anymore because mm-hmm. of that decision. So I have a feeling they could reverse some of that, potentially. Mm. Yeah, well, It's very unfortunate, because these movies, I feel like you definitely need a theater, at least mm-hmm. for the very first time you see it. Mm-hmm. 100%. Especially, dude. Imagine... Like Star Wars just being released on your TV or on your phone, like watching. Yeah, Dune, def- Dune definitely that. feels like an IMAX like type mm-hmm. viewing right. movie for right. me, which is unfortunate. Yeah, but like I know some parts of the world, their their measures, their COVID measures are probably going to be like softened at some point next year, like especially Europe. So I think some people will we will get the opportunity to see them in the theaters, even if it's it might take them a while because of like social distancing and what have you and limiting number of tickets in theaters but um yeah i guess yeah it really depends where you are in the world and at what point the pandemic will be in its state at the time of release of these two movies but if i'm honest though like when we talk about launching a streaming service like there has to be a big motivation to to, because especially i already have two and like to add a third or a fourth like it has to be something big and the potential news of hbo max dropping everything next year for warner brothers like that I, I don't know if I will, but that makes me think about it. Same with like Disney Plus mm-hmm. announcing like 50 new shows yesterday, and it's like it, maybe like I, I don't know if I will, but it's like now I <clears throat> now I think about it. So I mean, it's definitely viable because Disney Plus. The, I made that decision right already with Disney Plus, like because I I picked it originally just because of the Mandalorian, which shout out just had the best episode of the season uh, of the series yesterday. Uh, but, um, like, and having it release all these other things that I I am actually interested in, in. like, I think it's definitely possible with, uh, I mean, HBO max, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely not the same as a theater, but like it could work. There's there's also a lot of directors that are voicing their, like a negative response, like a negative opinion to this whole deal. Like, I think no Christopher Nolan like was very um, vocal about how much he really disagreed with this with this sort of proposal um, for various reasons. I forget what they were, um, but, but yeah, there's also know. that. But there's also a lot of really good directors that don't need a theater experience. Like there's a yeah. lot of indie directors. I think of someone like a Jim Jarmusch um, or a Noah Baumbach, and like they make really good narrative movies. You don't need to go to a theater to watch them. Right, um, right. So it's like. I don't know. There's a negative for some types of movies, but it could be a positive for others. So, I would I would definitely be extremely angry if I had gone to the theater to watch The Dead Don't Die. <laughs> I don't know if you guys, Martin, are familiar uh, with that. I did, and I was satisfied. 
<laughs> I was definitely it's not what I was expecting at all. That'll leave that on a cliffhanger, I guess. Was that a it, comedy? It's a it's a zombie movie created oh, yeah. by Jim Jarmusch. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I wasn't. So again, that's not what I was expecting when I watched it. It was very side note about Jim Jarmusch, like because we're talking about the Wes Anderson episode. Like I, I talked about Wes Anderson being like too mainstream. Like Jim Jarmusch is like what Wes Anderson used to be when he was starting his mm-hmm. career with like Rushmore and Bottle Rocket, in my opinion. Okay. Mm-hmm. So imagine him making a zombie movie. <laughs> Except I didn't like it at all. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so yeah, thanks guys for joining the uh, the, the podcast. I uh, hope to see you again uh, no, for a future episode. Um, look forward, everyone listening, uh, look forward to our uh, best of 2020 episode coming soon. Uh, bye.